This podcast is brought to you by the Trinity Whip Company. Battling daily whip fever? Sadly, there is no cure, only treatment. More whips. Traditionally made kangaroo whips, top quality craftsmanship in form as well as function. Handcrafted by Blake Burning. TrinityWhipCo.com Or look for the link on our main page. TheFedoraChronicles.com This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. This is Retro Threads with Cass McGann, episode number three. I'm your host, Eric Render King Fisk. This time, Cass and I talk about Z, the beginning of everything. As Amazon describes it, the story of Zelda Sire Fitzgerald, the brilliant, beautiful Southern Belle who became the original flapper and icon of the wild, flamboyant jazz age. We also talk about some of F. Scott Fitzgerald's books, especially The Great Gatsby, costuming and clothes of the jazz era, and the trouble with modern clothes that don't fit the standards of retrocentrics and vintage aficionados. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. So what what hot topics are are, uh, are are heavy on your heart this week? What what do you absolutely have to talk about? I have to talk about Z. I'll, I gotta talk about Z. You know what? Because the thing is, is is that that's on the top of my list. <laughs> Things to ask us about. And yeah, I I it was it was wonderful, and and God bless Amazon for releasing everything at once. So don't make me wait. <laughs> oh. Oh, we binged watched it. We we yeah. we watched a third of the episodes Friday night. We watched a third of the episodes um, uh, Saturday night, and obviously we watched the last third of the episodes, which was kind of awkward because we did it in broad daylight. So we didn't. Because the thing is, like, I'm supposed to talk about the Super Bowl sometime this week, right? And the thing is, is that it's like I I didn't want to put off watching Z. <laughs> I wanted to just get it just out of the way. And um, it's something that is hard for me to do, explain this to other people who aren't like us, as it were. Um, mm-hmm. I get really deeply emotional when it comes to anything F. Scott Fitzgerald. Yeah. Because, um, I, I mean, such a huge fan of The Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's, uh, it's one of those books that it was just like, <clears throat> I always sort of read it between... Um, we, you know, when, when the book, The Great Gatsby takes place, like between um, uh, the, the, um, the vernal equinox, where it you know, talks about the longest day in the first chapter, and don't you look for the, for the, the, the longest day and then you miss it, and then, yeah. and then um, uh, before... Uh, that's the summer solstice, not the vernal equinox. Ah, uh, the summer spring. solstice, yeah. right. Yeah, solstice. Yeah, but it's solstice. It's, it's summertime, because what's his name? Oh God, I'm so bad at names. I can't even remember names of like famous characters. Um, but the the narrator, yes, he goes, he takes the house for the summer. Yes, you know, so yeah, and and the and um, whenever I get to like the last the last paragraph or two, I always sort of savor that. You know, talk about you know Gatsby and the green light, and mm-hmm. and you know it's like you know Gatsby believed in the green light the orgastic future that year by year recedes before us. It eluded us then, but that's no matter. Tomorrow we will run faster, stretch out our arms farther, and one fine morning. So we beat on 
boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. And and um, I was actually not going to go see the latest film incarnation mm-hmm. of The Great Gatsby because the famous one with Robert Redford and Mio Farrow oh, yeah. doesn't have that last line. Yeah. And the thing is, is that without, without you know, the, the, the narration in the bat, in the end, which sums everything up, and it talks about how we are constantly reaching further backwards into time, trying to mm-hmm. recapture those magical moments that we had mm-hmm. ages ago. With- yeah, it's, it's really, and, and I haven't seen the most recent Gatsby mostly because someone said, oh, don't see it. You'll hate all the costumes. And I went, that's that's a good reason for me yeah. not to see, or at least to see it in a locked room where <laughs> I can't break anything. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll see it eventually when it, uh, and, and actually right about now is probably a good time for me to see it because it's passed from um, the, people aren't talking about it anymore. Yeah, so now it, I, yeah. could, I could just quietly fester. Yeah, I, I... <laughs> And, and, but, um, yeah, I, I used to live in Princeton, so um, This Side of Paradise yes. was was my book, and and I don't know why, but even as a very young child, I became fixated on flappers. So, like, as soon as I was able to spend my own money at the bookstore, I bought Flappers and Philosophers, and because it was this guidebook of how-to, you know, kind of thing. yeah. Yeah. And um, interesting stuff. I mean, F. Scott Fitzgerald used to be my favorite writer. Mm-hmm. As I've gotten older, he's not my favorite writer anymore. Um, but he's still... It's hard to put a name on what yeah. he is. Yes. Because it's not that I enjoy his writing. Because I don't really enjoy his writing. Not anymore. Right. Yep. But... And and there is a great, great desire in me to grab him and Zelda by the necks and smash their skulls together because they're idiots. Dingbats. Yeah. 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 And they're idiots in every car, every incarnation, every couple he ever writes about. It's him and Zelda over and over again it's being a, yeah. stupid. Yep. You know? Yep. But at, at the same time, you know, I have, I have, I have empathy for them, but not sympathy. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yes, we all went through that, and some of us just got over it. Exactly. We have all had really, really awful, tragic relationships. Mm -hmm. We have all had those. Yeah, and and I, uh, I guess being Irish American, I didn't drink myself into a bottle. Why should you? Exactly. Um, I, I think that just bothers me the most. It's like, oh, you poor little darlings, you suffered so badly a wash in gin. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm crying for you I'm crying really big salty tears I, I th- um, <laughs> yeah 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 I, I, I think that it, it's um when you're in your 20s and F Scott Fitzgerald is your favorite author yeah it's charming it's a little cliche yeah but you know if you're in your 30s and 40s and F Scott Fitzgerald is still your favorite author mm-hmm. um I, I think it's sort of like it's not like it's a cliche. It's just sort of like it's it's sad and it, it gets tiring sometimes. It's great to go back to F. Scott Fitzgerald once in a while, mm-hmm. but it's like any everything else, everything in moderation. 
because well, yeah, I, I was thinking myself that I want to reread them. Yeah, um, and I don't have them anymore. I had them, you know, the whole all of his works for years. And when we moved to St. Croix, we got rid of a, a great deal of our books, and and those were some of the ones that I sold off. And um, and I'm thinking about oh, pick up the Kindle version just so I could read them again because I haven't read them in so many years. I think that one of the things that I would really like to be able to do is in in regards to talking about just Zelda mm-hmm. and the and the entire um, the miniseries on Amazon from the perspective of somebody who has read a lot of F. Scott Fitzgerald. Did mm-hmm. you ever feel as if it was like it was deja vu, like like we've been here, we've done that, even though I've never seen this show before and I and I loved almost every minute of it. Mm-hmm. If you've read a lot of his books, oh, oh yeah, you're like it's, lo- it's well, and 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 they they kind of refer to that so rather later in the series, rather directly, but earlier in the series, obliquely, that it comes out of her journals for the most part, you know, and so and and then they talk about you know when there's that bit where they're going to go and make the movie and they're going to play their characters in the book, that the characters in the book are really them. Um, that, yeah, I mean, if F. Scott Fitzgerald is, is, his work is, it's really the retelling of him and Zelda over and over and over again. It, it is, it is. And, it, and, uh, especially, um, oh my God, the other, uh, what was the other, the one that's about Zelda who, who becomes committed? Um, oh, is that the. I want to say the bold and the beautiful, and that's not the title. Um, the beautiful and the damned. The beautiful and the damned. Yeah. And we're, you know, and it was just like it's all of his work is is autobiographical. Mm-hmm. All of his work is, and and the, a lot of people say that it's like for the jazz era generation, he was the voice of that of, of the generation. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like very, yeah, I, yeah. I'm kind of like yeah, he was. But the thing is, that it was um. A lot of his suicidal tendencies is not what I really sort of think about that generation, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that I think that there's something that we we miss um, because it's, we're so removed from it. But the absolute horror of the Great War, yeah, and then the complete decimation of the Great Depression, yeah. And there's something really unique is such a cliche word, special. You know, it's, it's, there's, a, there's a better word for it, but, you know, I'm talking, not writing. <laughs> so I don't yeah. have a thesaurus on my, I should have a thesaurus on my lap. You should. Um, I should, mm-hmm. don't I? It's, um, it's unique, but it, not like unique like in like unicorns. It's, it's um, unprecedented, yeah. I think, is the other word that we might. It's in, in all of recorded history, we've never had a conflict like the First World War and then yeah. the Great Depression. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, I mean, the thing that makes the Great War significant is the lack of significant military conflict in 100 years before it. So there, you know, there are little things going on, but there's not any, you know, world war since like the Napoleonic conflict, which right. one could argue was the first world war. Um, so you have this, you don't have this tradition of, you don't have a draft, you don't have 
sending the young boys off to die. Yeah. You know, it's for us, our parents were in Vietnam and grandparents were in, in, uh, World War Two, and mm-hmm. you know this kind of thing. So we have that feeling of every generation has their war that someone goes off and dies in. Yes. But before the Great War, they didn't have that. You know, they had everyone that they knew, everyone in their family. No one had ever done that unless they had were career military. Yeah. Um. So, and then the thing that everyone always forgets is that. The Spanish flu killed more people in 1919 than the entirety of the Great War did. Yes. And that, the Great War killed a lot of people. And then the Spanish influenza, it didn't kill the sick. Yeah. It killed the young, healthy people. And, you know, you got a little sick and you were like, oh, but I'm fine because I'm young and strong. And then you wake up dead. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things that F. Scott Fitzgerald really sort of sort of hammered home in a lot of his work is is that it was just like just when you think that that you're out of the woods, just when Mm -hmm. you think that the worst is behind you, then suddenly bang. Yeah. yeah, and I think that, you know, we, people of our generation, we look at 20-somethings and go, oh, you think you're immortal, you know, you think you, <laughs> you, think you, you, think you know everything, and you think you're immortal, and you just wait, you know, <laughs> wait until you get to be my age. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Everything hurts, you know. It, it, it's, and, you know, I hear things coming out of my mouth that <laughs> I think that I would never, ever say to anybody um, you know, what fine, perfect example is like the things that I say to my kids, like, which is the equivalent of back in my day, you know, we, we, we walked uphill both ways in the right, snow right, right, right. when the kid, when Winter, the kids, when all the, year out. yeah. <laughs> and some of us didn't even have shoes. Some of us yeah, didn't right. even have feet. And it was just yeah. like, I mean, the, what drives me crazy. And I was and this is a part of a conversation that um, I was having with somebody else uh, in of all places, the, 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 the barbershop, mm-hmm. whereas is like the, the kids get a day off from school, not because of a massive snowstorm, but because a massive snowstorm is coming. They mm-hmm. will cancel school the night before, even before the first snowflake. And it was like back in my day, whereas it was just like, you're just like, you know, you're, you're by your bedroom window and, mm-hmm. and you're just like, please, God, please, 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 no, please. Yeah. And you and wouldn't, you wouldn't know until with the exception of the blizzard of 78, you didn't know. Yeah. Until, and you think that, you, you know, your generation has it so hard. And then, and then your, your parents and your grandparents said, Hey, back in my day. Mm-hmm. And I catch myself saying back in my day or. Mm-hmm. Back when your mother and I were kids. We had to write with our hands. Exactly. With a pencil. Oh, yeah, and, 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 and we always had to do like three, three written drafts. And, you, <laughs> and you'd type one up for, for extra credit. Yeah. You know. Exactly. exactly. I, would, I would always get a guaranteed A if I typed my papers. Yeah. That's, so you understand that the whole the scorn that we have for the twenty somethings because they don't know what they're talking about or they're or they're they think they're immortal. They think they're Yes. You know, they're so healthy and they'll live forever. Just imagine. Yeah. Imagine being twenty two years old. You just nipped out of the Great War ending just as you were getting sent. Mm-hmm. And then 
a whole bunch of your friends die from a flu that weak elderly people survive. Yes. And these strong people who look just like you, who are just like you, just wake up dead. I mean, literally right. wake up because that's what it was like. Spanish influenza, you would take to your bed because you felt a little sick and you would seem to be getting better and then you would die. Yeah. Yep. And it's it's like it's like you couldn't invent that. You know, you couldn't write that shit. And and I I think that anybody going through that as a 20 something to just have it I mean, it's got to make you a little nuts. It mm -hmm. has to make you a, to a to a a certain non-clinical extent crazy. Yeah. Because your whole world turns upside down. I mean, much much like the horrors of war make someone who previously thought themselves strong and healthy they meet with their own mortality and that that has a, a devastating effect on your your psyche yes well, imagine you know you had this devastating effect on your psyche and then you come home and you die from a microbe yeah war the world's all over except for you know a different but i mean but the thing is 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 that from the vibe that i got where is you didn't have time to be suicidal because no. you had the war Mm -hmm. You had to if you if you if you if you survived the war and you survived the flu, you were so busy making tons of money before the stock crash. You were going to these mm -hmm. wild parties and it was only like a very select few. It seemed were melancholy over of of love loft and, 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 and things like that. It was just mm -hmm. like it, it's not like every generation, every man was Jay Gatz who transformed mm -hmm. himself into oh, yeah. Gatsby. It just like that was for like select into only those who had those um, hyper dramatic love affairs mm -hmm. that were that were ended abruptly because of some horrible tragedy. Then you could mourn and, mm -hmm. and be melancholy about the person that you lost mm -hmm. because of war or the flu or, or in Zelda's case, in the very end, mental disease, mental mm -hmm. illness, which. Yeah. And and and, I, and a lot of that I think it had a lot to do with just rampant alcoholism. But well, I think rampant alcoholism had to do a lot with it. And and I was I was kind of I did a little bit of snooping around about Zelda's life, but without reading her biography, I'm not going to know that much. But I wondered because she was in an insane asylum, and it was very common to put women who acted up, and I'm doing air quotes with my yep. fingers as I say acted up, women who acted up. Um, in insane asylums. And I mean, this is the period of time where they were doing hysterectomies on women because they weren't they weren't behaving. Yeah. And they thought, oh, it's because they have baby envy or Penis whatever. envy or whatever. Strange thing. And oh, if we take away their, their reproductive or organs, they'll be normal, you know. Um, when really they just want to punch people in the face. Exactly. <laughs> I'd probably should have. And, and, um, and as a man, I can tell you, I've inspired more than a handful of my share to want to <laughs> punch. in the face. Yeah. And well, I mean, you know, you have that in, in the twenties and thirties, there's this, this, let's put them in insane asylums and, 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 and mutilate them. Yep. Um, give them electroshock therapy in the sixties. You have, Oh, let's just give them this drug. Chemicals. And then they'll be dopey and and Stepford wives. Exactly. And what oh and what man wouldn't want that? Sar well, yeah. Sarcasm. I mean, I I I put myself in your shoes and go yeah good. Um, 
clean and cook and shut up. Yeah. And that's nice. <laughs> if I didn't have to pay a servant. <laughs> yeah. If I could just, you know, have one in my house who didn't mouth off to me, that would be terrific. Um, I mean, who doesn't want that in, unless you have, you know, empathy for other human beings but if you you know if you think that that's their place I, I I get that and and I being a woman who has never fit into the because I, I really empathize with Zelda this is which is why I want to find out more about yeah. who she really was um, because I really empathize with she was raised as that Southern spoiled brat, daughter of a judge. Youngest got, daughter of a judge. Youngest, yeah, youngest daughter of a judge. Exactly. You know, she's got any man she wants, follows her home, waves her little finger, they do whatever she wants. Um, but she doesn't want that. She doesn't want, I mean, and this is this is kind of funny because um, P.G. Woodhouse is my favorite author. Yep. And, and Woodhouse doesn't stop to be introspective or serious for a split second but yet this theme recurs in his books and, and a great deal of his work is from the 20s and 30s it's the most pro prolific period for him was the 20s and 30s um this well i don't want a man like that you know i don't want i don't want to just um marry the same person mom did you yeah, know yeah i don't I, uh, well hell um oscar wilde an ideal husband is all about, oh, God, he's going to he's gonna ask me to take a walk into the conserva conservatory and he's going to propose to me again and I'm going to have to turn him down again because it's the London season and all of these asses that follow me around to dances all year round propose at this time of year and now I have to go and tell him no. Yeah, yeah. Because they're all dreadful and boring and blah. And, you know, all of these nice little stories end up where she finds the one guy who isn't dreadful and boring like all the others. But, you know, imagine being a woman in that time period where you're confronted with this idea of this is this. These are your choices in the world. Yeah. And your choices in the world are this dreadfully boring person who you get to be a kitchen slave to or that dreadfully boring person that you get to be a kitchen slave to. And, and you get to grow up and, you know, lose your, and remember Zelda's mother was an actress yeah. who gave up her career to get married to the judge and have seven kids. I have, I, I have no idea how many kids they actually had. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. I think it was seven. Um, if it wasn't seven, it was six or eight. <laughs> it was a lot. Um, it was, it, it was, was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot of children. Um, but you know, she was an actress and she. She gave that up because, oh, well, you know, that's what you do. You give it up for your man. And that's one of the phrases that I really despise the most. That's what you do. Well, mm -hmm. ac according to who? Yeah. Well, according to society, they say yeah. that makes no sense. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it in, in realistic terms of, you know, American women couldn't open a bank account. Yeah. In their own name without their husband, father, or brother, your younger brother. <laughs> yeah, your, 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 uh, your younger brother was more of a citizen than you were. Yeah, in the 1970s. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I think about these things as being, oh, long, long ago, but I go, in the 1970s, not only was I 
I was alive. I was. I had a bank account. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? And now, granted, I was a child, and of course, my parents opened the bank account for me because I was a child. But to be an adult woman, a woman over the age of majority, and not be allowed to. Um, there was something about if you owned a house and you weren't married, yeah. they had to put on the deed an unmarried woman. And they don't put on the deed an unmarried man. No. And and this is in our lifetimes. This oh. is not history, you know. Um, this is after we thought we had the vote and shit. <laughs> no, I guess, I guess you... I, I, I... The vote didn't matter much. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. You didn't do it. I don't blame you any more than, you know, but anybody this is, else. But this, um, is, this, is one of, this is one of the things that I've, I never understood this. Um, and, I, and my wife is one of the, the examples of um, a tomboy who grew into being a beautiful, intelligent, independent woman. I've mm-hmm. never understood men who weren't attracted to that. I mm-hmm. never understood why don't you want to be with a woman who likes to fish and hunt and hike and camp? Mm-hmm. Why would you rather be with a woman who would rather go shopping by herself and not go exploring abandoned buildings with you? Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand. Yeah, I I can't explain it to you because I don't get it either. I mean, I'm not I'm not a hunter or fisher or a camper. Oh God, I hate to camp. My idea of roughing it is not having room service. <laughs> but well, yeah. that being said, you know, you I I love to hike. I just don't yeah. like to sleep. And and actually, one of the problems I have with camping is I'm a very light sleeper. Yes. So when I camp outside, I just I just don't sleep. And then and when yeah. I don't sleep, I'm not a very nice person. Um, but you know, I love the outdoors and used to spend all of my time in a in a riding stable and and um and for all of my evening gowns like i have i have as many pairs of muck boots as i have evening gowns you know yeah <laughs> um but it's it's kind of if you imagine every different kind of person with different likes and dislikes that you could possibly come up with you know if you made a list and just exhaustively tried to list all of the different interests and and variations that a person could have. And then you cross them out for women. Yeah. Cross them all out. And the only interest they're allowed to have is in homemaking and having children. Yeah. That's, I, if I had lived in the 1920s, I would probably have been in an insane asylum. And let's not, don't, think that I was raised by some hippie feminist because no. I wasn't. No. I was raised by someone who told me, go meet a nice man who will take care of you. Yeah. You know, I was, I was definitely not raised to be independent. And, and yet I'm so damn contrary that I always was. <laughs> I, I, I think it, I think it had everything to do with things that we were, were seeing on a regular basis. I mean, um, I mean, most recently we observed the the, the passing of Mary Tyler Moore, and mm-hmm. it wasn't until you hear about the kind of the work that she did mm-hmm. um, on her own show in the early set, uh, late, mid mid to late seventies, with yep. the kind of things that she was trying to do and the kind of things that she was trying to say, 
Mm-hmm. And all those, I'm not really even sure if it's like if there were heavy handed messages, but it was just it like, were, yeah, well, go ahead. It was, it was on, um, <clears throat> I forget what network it was on, but it was on a, a standard American network. So I don't think they were that heavy handed because they had a play to the audience. Oh yeah. CBS. The Mary, CBS. Mary, right. T- yeah. The Mary Taylor Moore show was on CBS on Saturdays. But. You know, there she was, a single woman with a career. Yeah. And and that should, that alone, you don't have to say anything else. At that time, yeah. That's it. And, you know, the Dick Van Dyke show before that, late 60s, she's wearing capri pants around the house and not a little, you know, froofy dress. Yeah. That, we don't recognize how big a deal that is because it's not a big deal anymore, but it's not a big deal anymore because she did it. Yeah. And she fought to do it. And and she was only allowed to do it because she made the right friends, you know, when she was popular, that they gave her that leeway. Yeah. And and yeah, um big fan. I mean, I have to say I I can't watch the Mary Tyler Moore show anymore because you go, Oh my God, the kowtowing to the men and the giggling and the, all the, but then you have to, you have to remember what it was like. You know, you can't, you can't judge anything by today's standards. No. You know, like, I mean, I grew up a huge, huge Avengers fan. Mrs. Peel. I, I, yes. You know, Mrs. Peel is my, my spirit animal. Like I was literally raised to be like Mrs. Peel. And she's just, not like anything else. No, not at all. And but that's the thing. That's the reason why she was so popular, mm-hmm. and why so many uh, young men like of my age had mm-hmm. just such huge crushes on her. And and yeah. the crushes that we had were all on women who um, who did things that had mm-hmm. adventures. Yep. And and that's. I mean, that's why. Thankfully, we have the world we have now because you you. We, the people who crossed all of the things off the list that we could be, died. Yeah. <laughs> and and the people who said, "Oh, wouldn't it be cool if a, if a girl went camping with you, and wouldn't it be cool if if a girl knew judo and could kick someone's yeah. ass?" And, you know, yeah. And and that that became um, more accepted. And we're still there's still things that are crossed off our list, even though they're crossed off our list in kind of a very light pencil. They're still crossed off the list and we we have work to do but we're we're getting there you know and when when you look back and you look at mary tyler moore and you go oh my god they really they really gave her a hard time for wearing capri pants exactly and now you can't imagine a woman without them yeah it it, yeah. it, it just it it boggles the mind so mm-hmm. one of the other things that i that um I think that we wanted to talk about was uh, we haven't talked about what Z War at all yet. No, I, we I haven't. Got a list. <laughs> what's the, what's the top on your list, or do you want to work your way uh, um, up? Oh no, no, no! Do you want to tell me what what you wanted to talk about, or do you want me to finish this bit? No, the thing is, is that obviously the conversation with Zelda is going to have to um, evolve into the conversation of like what's a real flapper and like you said in a conversation we had like just putting a a band around your head is not calling Mm -hmm. yourself a flapper let's talk about zelda okay and what and what's on your mind with zelda well i should start off by saying 
I am a huge fan of ragtime mm-hmm. music. And the delight <laughs> in most of the music in these episodes, it's just not only is it real ragtime, it's real ragtime. It's it, a lot of the, the songs that are played are originals. Yes. And, um, and I know that because I have them elsewhere. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, I know that song. That's yeah. Um, you know, they took the pops out of them and that's about, that's about it. Although there's one scene where there's something, I can't remember what was going on, but I think it was like episode seven and there was something really frenetic going on and the background music they played for it was clearly, clearly a swing song. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I was, I was raised on Glenn Miller. I loves me some big band, mm-hmm. but it's really not around in 1921. No, no, um, <laughs> no, that was, they made like one little misstep and I think they did it for a stylistic creative I'll license. Let, yeah. I'll let the music director explain that one. Why, why he couldn't find a, cause I'm sure you can find a frenetic ragtime number, but for some reason they did this kind of big band thing. Yeah. And I may be wrong because I didn't recognize the song. It, it, it was in that style of, of um, sing, sing, sing. Yes. That yep. really, really fast drums and everything. And the, the, the stuff that, oh, my God, we're going to go dance to this and I'm going to die. Yeah. Um, yep. That kind of feeling. But I could be very wrong. And it could be a song that was from the 20s that I'm just not familiar with. But it was so very big band that I don't think it was. Yeah. Um, however, the music in it was gorgeous. The music in it was perfect. Yep. Um. The clothing, the women's clothing, was fantastic. Fantastic from what the maid wears, what the old women wear, what the the you know non-flappers wear, what the cutting-edge women wear. Um, just extraordinary, and I have one one beef is that you saw people fully dressed and you saw people naked. Yeah. But you never saw underwear. That, yeah. Yeah. And I am never a happy person if I'm not seeing underwear. I need to see the underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little sick in that way. <laughs> well, uh, this is, it was obviously a movie made for audiences in the here and now. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, it's um it is not illegitimate to be naked in the 1920s sure <laughs> however i there is there is a i'm i'm i am very obsessed with underwear as a costume historian of course it's my job of course with underwear um but there's a very interesting thing that's going on in skivvies in the 1920s because it's kind of the passing away of corsetry yeah. and the coming in of and it's it this transitional period a lot of different things were worn yep or or not worn as the case may be exactly and i really wanted to see what the costumers chose and they didn't show any of it and i was like oh i want to see something (laughs) (laughs) throw me a bone oh yeah but that one scene where um scott is being fitted for a suit yes and she's walking around in a dress and, you know, it looks like she's naked. But she's actually got on a tan slip. Yes. But her nipple, her nipples are sticking out and you're going, oh, my God, can you go on the street with that? Was so I want to shake the hand of the costumer who did that, because one of the things that we are 
unable to understand about the 1920s is how scandalous the clothing of the 20s appeared to someone who from just two years before because understand from just two years before you wouldn't have worn that little underneath and and like i said she's wearing a slip sure it's not she's not she's not as nude as she appears to be yeah yes but she's nude enough yeah and the 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 um practice of or the fashion for these diaphanous dresses i mean all of the dresses that she wears in alabama are completely see-through she's just got on a lot more underneath them yeah and this change this that in 2017 i look at that and go oh sweetie you better not walk down a street like that because you'll get you know you'll get arrested (laughs) um for indecent exposure and that i can think that as a person who finds nothing wrong with nudity um, in 2017, that I right. can be a little shocked by that um, is very telling. And I, I love that the costumer did that because that is how shocking the entirety of 20s dress was. Yeah. I mean, and there are a couple of misperceptions that I would like to call out um, Z for not doing. Okay. There's not a single dress that shows the knees. And there shouldn't be. And there wasn't. Yeah. It was perfect. Flapper dresses are not short by our standards. They're short by the standards of people who used to cover their ankles. Yeah. You know, the dresses that the the most fashionable dress in 1920 touched your ankle bone. And then suddenly in 1921, barely covered your knees. Mm. It's shocking. It is particularly since touching the ankle bone was as high as Hems ever got for, you know, millennia. Yep. Uh, that's not entirely true, but I'm not going to start lecturing about medieval history. Um, <laughs> it's a truism to say women always cover their ankles. They didn't. Working women always wore shorter things because it helped them work. But caveat. Yeah. <laughs> Historian footnote. Um but I'm absolutely delighted because you see a lot of stuff where they wear um, – and I'm, I'm doing a thing. A friend of mine is having a murder mystery weekend at her house, and they bought one of these murder mystery packages. And they said, oh, could you write something up and tell people how they could dress or what they could find in their closet to wear and stuff? And it's just – you know, it's party. It's not yeah. serious. But um, – all of the character description says, oh, and your character is a woman of fashion, so she should wear a short skirt with lots of, lots of fringe and lots of sequins and, and pearls tied in a knot and, and, and a headbands. <laughs> like, yeah. no. No, no. Because, I mean, I, I, got the, I got the vibe that somebody actually did their research. I, it looked like somebody actually went. It was beautiful. To the library where mm-hmm. they went through, through the archives and they actually yeah. like found um, they actually found exactly what women were were, were wearing that back then. It wasn't because I see a lot of period movies and I see a lot of things where one of two things happen. They either get some get some things from a secondhand store mm-hmm. and 
puts just put the characters and the stuff in the secondhand store, or they put they put um, people in like close enough clothes, clothes yeah. that are just they're modern. They're they're you know and they're cut with uh, cut with modern modern cuts, and mm-hmm. the fabric isn't isn't true to the period. Mm-hmm. And it, but it takes somebody with a real passion to say. No, we are going to make the costumes to fit the yep. to fit the actors while at the same time we're going to make them exactly the way that they made them to look back then. That's kind of like that's that's a rare thing. And and they really succeeded for the women at least. And I'll tell you about the men in a second. Um for the women, they went they did very well. And this is something that that you know jars the the 1920s aesthetic bothers us modernly because it it skips over the waist. It doesn't give anybody a waist. Yep. Um, so we don't like that. You know, I look like a cow in a 20s dress. Mm-hmm. I really do. I, I hate it. It doesn't matter how correct it is. This is not working for me because I'm curvy. And it's not going to work for a curvy person. But that's the aesthetic. And curvy people wore it too. <laughs> but you're coming from a period where people were trying to emphasize the waist and to a ridiculous extent to an extent where they were harming themselves by yeah. trying to emphasize the waist so much um and the 20s being a reaction against that and now we can we could argue about how the um the the hourglass figure the hourglass figure it's not like the 20s came around and everyone threw out their corsets um the hourglass figure was going away in the 19-teens, you already see the corsets become long and the waist goes away or you get this empire waist and there's no more focus on this narrow little mm-hmm. waist thing. But anyway, we, we focused on the narrow little waist thing now. You know, that's why 1950s vintage is, uh, for women is so popular because it does the narrow waist, big hip, big tits thing. Yeah. And that that works for our modern aesthetic. Not having a waist doesn't work for our modern aesthetic. No. Um, but they did it, and they did it on all of the actresses, and that's shocking because usually the lead actress is dressed badly. Yeah. Because they want to make her pretty, and Christina Ricci, you know, doesn't need any ha- any help looking pretty. No, I no, absolutely not. But she looked like a 20s girl. She really did look like a late teens, early 20s yes. woman of fashion. With the exception of one thing, her hair yep. was awful. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. It was Farrah Fawcett got a bob. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at her and I'm going, I don't, I, I thought that. Brush curling irons were invented in the 1970s. Isn't it yeah. funny how they had one back in the 20s to do yeah. her hair? What the hell was that? I mean, when her hair is long, earlier in the in the series, it's perfect. Yes. And then when she bobs her hair, all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. Every other woman in the show has her hair waved and stuck down and styled and she's running around looking like, you know, it's just, it's not historical at all. And if you look at the pictures of Zelda, number one, I have some big arguments with, I don't think she was that blonde. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
F. Scott Fitzgerald was famously yellow-haired. Yeah. And in the pictures of them together, she has definitely darker hair than he does. Mm-hmm. But but I this is just me looking at some old archival photos, so I'm not going to say she wasn't blonde, but I it made me go it made me go look to yeah. see if, yeah. if she had blonde hair. Um I don't think she was that blonde, but you know, minor point. Right. The bigger point is her hair's never waved. Yeah. Her hair's just big, floofy, I did it with a blow dryer. And what the hell is that about? I don't think they had she, hair dryers back then, did they? No, they didn't. She's, they, they also didn't have the curling brush. Right. <laughs> um, she, she does not, a woman of fashion, and we have photographs of her, where she's got her hair very elaborately waved, like you sat in the beauty salon for three hours for someone to do it, because she did. Yep. And she's, she's a woman of fashion. Cut, cutting edge fashion was almost wet look stuck to your head waves yeah. in this time period. And the, the kind of brushed out foofy bob is 30s. Right, yeah. And I'm, as a person... With Bob. <laughs> yeah, yep. I'm offended by this. I mean, they could have straightened her hair and done the really stick straight kind of uh, geometric Bob. Yeah. And that would have been okay. Not that Zelda ever wore hair like that. But it would have been appropriate for the 20s, for the early 20s. I mean, we're talking about her, the end of the series, her child isn't born yet. So yeah. it's, this is all before 1922. This is very early. Yes. And her hair is wrong, 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 wrong. And it's like as the series goes on, it got wronger. <laughs> yes. If that's a word. Um, and bothered me. Really <laughs> bothered me. I was waiting for the, them to come around with a sequin headband and stick it on her head. Yeah. So, um, so it's a shame because Tallulah Bankhead and her sister were perfect. And their hair was perfect. And the dark, 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 like I, I wear some dark lip. There's a company called Besame. And they make, Besame Cosmetics makes um, period uh, lipstick and rouge and stuff like this. They basically take old uh, color formulation. They make, yeah. it's, it's new. It's not tested on animals, paraben free, all those things that we demand of makeup today. Yes. But it's based on period colors. And they have a couple of colors uh, one's dated to 1930 that's called Noir Red, and one's dated to 1920, it's called Blood Red. It is as close as you could get to black and still be red. Yeah. And when I wear this, people are like, oh, you're such a goth. I'm like, I'm not a goth. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm 20s. <laughs> yep. And that they got that right on the Bankhead Sisters was... I mean, when I saw them walk in and they had lips that color, I went, yes. There you go. Yes. Yes, they got yes. it. Because the thing is, there's yes. something, there is something so, I, I don't want to say erotic about it, mm-hmm. but there is, there's something so erotic. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason we put the red lips on, baby. <laughs> I, you know, and it was just like, I don't know, it's like, and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here and it's like, I'm watching this, this TV show and it is, and there's a lot of passion going on here and there's a lot of like back and forth and it was just like, and I'm sitting next to my wife and it was just like, could you do that? Could you get that <laughs> outfit somewhere? And 
I'll send you the link for the lipstick, Eric. Send me the link. <laughs> send me the link to put in the show page. So, but there, but the thing is, is, is that there's something about this, about this, this series that it was just, it's so sad and tragic, and at the same time, it's just like. It's hot. I, I just want to jump into bed. I just, it's hot. I, it's hot. It's it, and and there's this sort of like this, like the first time, like like they did it in the, did they do it in the cemetery? They did it in the cemetery. There's something about that where it was just like, mm-hmm. okay, I know it's January, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm gonna go find me a cemetery. I know it's below thirty-two. <laughs> Your poor wife. <laughs> And it was just like I and and the thing and it was just like what is it about tragic love that turns us on so much? Oh yeah, yeah, we love a good story. I, it is yeah, we love a good story. A happily ever after isn't a good story. Not always. You know? Not well, always. It's, it's, somebody was talking about actually an author that I know. Um, he wrote a book. He wrote a utopian series of novels. And um, he wrote them because all these dystopian novels were coming out. And he didn't like that. He wanted to write something that was positive. Yep. And nobody, nobody's buying it. No, I'm not buying it. <laughs> because we don't want to hear about the happy, happy future. You know, we only like Star Trek when it gets screwed up. You know, Star Trek, oh, and it's wonderful and there's no poverty and everything's wonderful. But we only want to be there when the Klingons attack. The thing is, and I wanted to get, this is one of, this is the forbidden topic that I mentioned earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Skip right over Z. We don't care what the men are wearing. Let's talk some Klingons. If there's one thing that I can say about what the men were wearing, I was <laughs> shocked and surprised at how many times men were out in public without wearing hats. There, that was that was true. Yeah. Um, also, the men are very. They're not inappropriately dressed for the period, but they're inappropriately dressed for they're supposed to be cutting edge setters of fashion in New York City. Yep. And that's not what they're wearing. They're right. wearing sacks. Yeah. They're, they're wearing tweed lounge jackets that aren't fitted. And while that's not inappropriate for the average guy on the street in the 1920s, in the early 1920s, the cutting edge of fashion was very fitted. The waistline was strangely high. They would look weird to you. Yes. And your pants should be short. They should almost look like, you should see sock. There should be a little high water action going yeah, on. Yeah, little high water. And, and narrow. And there was not a single instance of a jacket with either a pleat, pleats on the back, you know, the action yep. back, you yep. know what I mean? Yep. Or, um, Belts. Yeah. There were belted, al- yeah, belted, belted jackets. Jacket. Yeah. yeah, belted jacket, modified Norfolk jackets. Very, very popular. Matter of fact, I have a um a tailor's order form from about nineteen eighteen, nineteen sixteen, I think. Um that you choose whether you want a belt on the back of your jacket or not. Yeah. Because that was the standard, was uh, 50 cents more for a belt on the back, you know. Um, But all of the waists were high, floating ribs high. And it's just to see them, it's not like they pulled stuff from stores. No. 
but they they really did costume the guys like normal 20s people yeah and not like the rich not like the beautiful and the damned not like the they, they were the cutting edge of fashion yeah they were what everyone wanted to emulate and not a single one of them is dressed fabulously yeah and you're going to tell me you have gay men in the early 20s who aren't dressed fabulously? They're going to wear sack coats? No, they're not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. But I will I su- know, Eric. I know. I'm, but I'm <laughs> deferring to you, our resident expert. But, but yeah, and not enough hats. And one of the things that it's like I sort of noticed, and maybe this is small nitpicking, but it seemed like whatever the men were wearing in Georgia or Louisiana mm-hmm. was exactly what the men in New York City were, were, were wearing. Yeah, and it's, he, it really wasn't. Even though Montgomery, Georgia may have been very metropolitan, it wasn't as metropolitan as New York City. New York oh, City. Oh, no, it wasn't. And and it's and Montgomery, Alabama, darling. It's, people in Georgia are going to write you letters. Um, <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's Alabama. I mean, it's right. It's next to Georgia. It's right there. It's oh, okay. Same, okay. Same place. But it's Montgomery, Alabama is where she was from. But yeah, Montgomery, Alabama is a small city. Right. It's not it's not the biggest city in Alabama even and nothing is as big as New York City. So yeah, it's and it's not. I mean, there's re- repeated references to the fact that there's nothing going on here, you know. At the ends when they go for fun, they're going to sit outside the local brothel and and humiliate people that they know who are going <laughs> there by turning the, I love that. That's like, you know, we used to go and just watch bears stu- you know at the at the garbage dump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have loved to know where the brothel was and go and humiliate people I knew going in the brothel. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> no, that's a redneck kind of fun, but right. Um, but yeah, it's Montgomery. It, you're you're not wearing the same thing. No, no. For myriad reasons, and yeah, I I uh, I was just I was very disappointed by the men's fashion. Like I said, it wasn't wrong. It was just not appropriate for who they were supposed no. to be. It seemed, and I yeah. would I would have been satisfied with just one or two people because the thing is the guy who's playing Scott Fitzgerald is probably too big a guy to look good in the early twenties fashion. Yeah. But it would have been okay if he wasn't in it, if some of his colleagues were. Yeah. You know, so. And and that you know they're having a, a new suit made for them, and the suit doesn't even have these cutting edge twenties. I don't know. No. Just not happy. I, it's, I'm, not, just, I'm happy. not buying it. I'm not buying it. I thought that I thought you know, I, you would have thought that there would have been a serious distinction between New York and the southern cities. There, there should have been. And in the women's clothes, oh, well, they even make the point. You know, yes. she dresses like she's from Montgomery. These were cutting edge in Montgomery, but she looks like a. Uh, what they call it, the Southern Belle, yeah. making fun of her because she was all Southern and stuff, and yes, and um, and you know, garden party, country club girl. Yes, and here she is. Um, but yeah, and it's it's funny kind of because I was watching it as I was watching it in the background. Um, I've been drafting some late teens, early twenties suits, so I was. <laughs> You know, it's you. You just don't want to show me the show when I've got a Taylor's book in front of me <laughs> to check your work. Nope, wrong, wrong, also wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I would have, I would have let them get away with it if they just had one guy who had on, you know, the peg top trousers, the really narrow and short in the, in the leg, and 
and the uh, a high waisted jacket with a belt. Yeah. If they had one guy, but not a single one in all of those, you know, supposedly fabulously wealthy, rich, cutting edge, setting fashion. Yeah. You know, I mean, this yeah. is the Algonquin Roundtable people, after all. It's not. You know, I mean, they really did set the society fashions in New York in the early twenties. So yeah. Yeah. You know, and and there should have been a transition. There should have been a difference from what he was wearing, in, um, you know, when before his book comes out to what he's wearing in, in New York. It, it's just, you go and you blow your money on some good clothes. I know he blew his money on yeah. a, a suite at the Biltmore, but it's <laughs> it, 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 correct me if I'm wrong when I say it seems like they spent all of their attention focused on the women's clothing and they just sort of like here's the men's rack here you go have at it it, it they didn't speak and it, it didn't seem like it was geared towards that because it was all it was all about zelda it was all it was yeah. it was really her it was her yeah. story it was her name on the door you know i mean yeah. <laughs> to, to be fair it really was about her and and but it, that's not a reason to drop the uh the men it's an excuse it's not a reason to to not cost and i mean like i said they didn't pull stuff from stores the the clothing that they were wearing was absolutely perfectly appropriate for the 20s it just wasn't appropriate for the characters that they yeah. were supposed to be yeah. in the 20s and uh and and that was that was disappointing because they got the women's stuff so right right and oh i have to give them props though for men men's hair yes that was they did it they did it they went. I think that um, they they went all out with those haircuts. Yeah, they did the haircuts and and the grease. Yep. It's so often that you see something from the twenties and people's hair just isn't greasy enough. And right. you know, we we because we it we think it's revolting and dirty looking, but it's not about what we think. It's about what was. If you're going to tell a story from the twenties, you have to yeah. tell a story from the twenties. And you used pomade to keep your hair from sticking up, and it was greasy. Yes. Um, but yeah, so often you see in a story, like I, I love the Miss Fisher mysteries, but don't ever watch it for historical details. No, I, I, I don't, I don't, I do love that. I do love that show. It's one of the things that my wife introduced me to and it was it's so much fun, but just, you know, I'm like, okay, you can give me that Franny Fisher is rich enough to dress any way she wants. That's fine. Yep. That's Okay. But the men are all dressed like from the 1940s. And now I, I, I admit that I don't know what men in Australia dressed like exactly. in the 1920s. Exactly. But I'm expecting they didn't dress like the future. <laughs> and, and their hair is all too clean. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but yeah. Yeah. You, usually you see men from the 20s and their hair is, you know, they're just out of the shower and it's all puffy and, and dry. And it should never be dry. It should always look slick. It should always be. It should look weird to us. It, the past is a different country. It should look yes. weird. Yes, yes. But it doesn't, and though. And they got that, yeah, they got that really well. They got that, they did that really well. Yeah. And I, my hat is off to them, although their hats were off too often. They, yeah. That's the one thing <laughs> that I, I love about a lot of period movies is looking at, at you know, what do, they, what do they do for fedoras? What do they do? Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and the thing is, is that it's like, and I like looking at... Um, and, and, and now, now I've crossed into, I, I will, if I can, especially with my, my HD TV, 
Mm-hmm. Are they using real gross grain with with the bound <laughs> edges, or are they using the Peter Sham? Yep. And when yep. I can tell, I can say somebody didn't do their homework. It ha- y- y- yep. y- your ribbon yep. has to have a bound edge to it. It can't mm-hmm. have the it can't have the scallops. I, that's that's a no go. Mm-hmm. That that's right there. That's a yep. killer right there. So nice. And I remember, I remember. I love you. You know these things. <laughs> oh, thank I you. Love you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I remember. I, I remember. I was so excited because I bought some antique ribbon from one of the local stores here in the region. We ha- we have a town that it's like it seems like they have like for every resident they have like five antique stores. So I, I know that's oh, hyperbole, yeah. but and I went. I grabbed this one and I grabbed. I grabbed this ribbon. And I almost ran out the door with it because I, I, I didn't want anybody else to pick it up. And I was so excited. Mm-hmm. And it was antique ribbon. It was from the mm-hmm. 30s and 40s. And as soon as I got it home and I looked at it, it was Peter Sham. Oh. And I'm like, oh. 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 But it made for oh. <laughs> it makes for it makes for great gift wrapping, though. Oh, yeah. Waistbands. <laughs> I wouldn't do for some good Peter Shimano and waistband. If I can find it, I'll send it to you. Yeah, if that'd you, be nice. If, if you, very if, nice if, of you. If you, if you need it, I will, I will definitely send it to you. And of course, the thing is, is that my wife is under the impression that now I have a ribbon fetish because I'm buying um, samples from all over, all over the country. And it yeah, was just, well, the whole world is under the impression that I have an underwear fetish, so I join you in this suffering. <laughs> but the, but the thing is 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 that it's all polyester now, with some exceptions. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I found some. Did I find some rayon cotton blends? You did find some for which, me. Yeah, rayon is 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 appropriate. Rayon yep. dates to um, late 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 Victorian period. I think eighteen eighties. Yes. So. Um, you know, and, and you don't have that nonsense because rayon is cellulose, so you don't have that. You press it with an iron and it melts. Yep. Thing to deal with. Be careful. I mean, unless, uh, un- unless you want the ribbon to lay down forever. Yeah. Be careful with your temperatures with some of the ribbon out there. Yeah, I, I'm, I've kind of got a ribbon fetish myself because I use, well, you use a lot of ribbon, you know, in, in decorating costumes and stuff and yeah and i'm a stickler for nothing ever looks like silk ribbon nothing ever looks like it don't even pretend right <laughs> right but luckily there there are some companies that are still making 100 percent silk ribbon so um you can get it in a number of different widths and yeah. colors and stuff yeah. and, um but yeah i have looked for um well, I've looked for Petersham before. Yeah. Trying to get non-polyester Petersham and you need it when when you're doing tailored trousers or, you know, a tailored jacket, you need it for the ends of the cuff to make the ends of the cuff look really sharp. Right. And it can't be polyester because you have to press the hell out of it. Yes. You know, you have to hit it with a tailored steam iron. It's not going to survive if it's polyester. No, it won't. So, it's it's very aggravating and and, you know, I mean, there are there are things that polyester is good for. This is not one of them. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I was, I, I I inch closer and closer to. I really have to go and open up some tailoring shops and bring sexy back or something. I I th- I, somebody has to. Now we we got into a conversation this weekend on on Facebook on my personal yeah. page. 
Yes. And this is one of the things that it's like I had to, um, I had to actually talk to somebody or I was going to go crazy. My wife, <laughs> my sons needed new sweatshirts and mm-hmm. everybody, everybody was going to get some new clothing this weekend. Um, and, and everybody, everybody, everybody got what they wanted except for me. I walked out empty handed. Um, mm-hmm. Except for I was carrying the bags from my wife and kids because I'm I am sometimes I'm just a good man. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm the packer. I'm I'm the uh, mm-hmm. the pack mule. Um, and because the thing is, is that it's like when we went to when we went to the men's aisle, it was mm-hmm. all sort of androgynous worker drone clothes. Mm-hmm. It, it it was it was all it was all like cookie cutter. But we'll put yeah. but we'll put like franchise logos on the t-shirts to give you the illusion of choice but i hate it yeah i hate it and and there were very they had a very very small selection of dress shirts now if i was in a hurry and i needed slacks a dress shirt and a tie Mm -hmm. or even decent dress shoes i was i was out i was out of luck Mm mm-hmm and 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 the thing is, is that I, I think that this is a trend where they're not selling men's clothing anymore. They're selling men's or male worker drone clothes in a lot yeah, of these I stores. Think that, and and I and I mentioned this in the in the thread, but for our listeners at home, um, who may not follow your Facebook, uh, it's I think that the fashion the fashion industry sometimes does stupid things. And understands that the fashion industry is very um, dynamic is too positive a word for what I mean. But the, 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 the fashion industry is a scared rabbit. And if you show signs of not buying something, they are not going to produce it. Right. Because the, the fashion industry, unlike other things, changes every six months. Sometimes radically. And you have to be there. You know, like if you buy a car or if you make a car, Mm -hmm. you're a car manufacturer. You there are certain things you can count on being staples. And, you know, like you're you're say you're Audi. Okay, Um, I'm Audi. Because I'm a great fan of Audi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, you know, Audi always has the A4 and always has the A6 and always has the A8 and then does something else. You know, they'll have this one that's a station wagon and then sometimes they don't have it because sometimes they fall out of favor. And, and they'll have this one that's an SUV and then they'll have a sports car. But they always have an A4 and an A6 and an A8. In fashion, you never have that. Yes. It's it's always a moving target, and and it's every six months. It's not every model year. Yes. Um. And and in in reality, it's it's more it's less time than every six months. So as someone who works adjacent to the fashion industry, I would say the pattern industry isn't quite the same, especially my pattern industry because I the same things yeah. in print since two thousand three. Um. It's. The fashion industry goes, oh, that's not selling anymore. We're never going to do that again. Right. And and they they because it it's a lot of money, and inventory is loss. Yes. And having all of those clothes in inventory that are never going to sell, you know, you're done. You know, you're you're out of business. So I think that when 
when the world went to casual workplace, yeah, we kind of threw out the thing between casual and suits. Yes. There's a thing in between there. There's a lot of there's a lot there. There is there's yeah. a lot going on there. Yeah. And you know, like some of the guys we were saying we were talking to on the thread were saying, "Oh, I'm I'm I've got middle-aged spread and I can't find anything because yeah. nothing fits me." And and we're not talking about grossly obese people. We're talking about people who just have a few more inches than they used to and yet right. they can't buy right. trousers. Um or or they're tall. And as I remember, the gentleman who was talking about being tall, he wasn't extraordinarily tall. Yeah. But he wasn't like, you know, seven feet tall and can't find shirts, but yet was having trouble finding shirts that were long enough. And yep. um, sleeves, shirts that were the sleeves didn't make him look like he was a gorilla or had his arms stretched somehow. And, yeah. and this is, we used to have, there used to be big and tall. There used to be petite. There used to be, you know, husky and because the fashion industry said oh there's a need yes and i think that the fashion industry has has retracted from these things because it doesn't see a market there and i think it's foolish yeah because the other thing that the fashion industry does is it looks at itself it looks at everybody else in the fashion industry and goes they're not doing a husky line anymore there must be something wrong. Let's not do a husky line. You know, and, and they react to each other, yeah. which is a mistake. You should react to your market. And as a marketer, you know, as someone who tries to look at what people want and give it to them, yes. I'm looking at this and going, can I use an expletive? Yes, of course. Do we have... We... You guys done fucked up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> The only way to say it, really. Um, they, it's, it's, it's a mistake. You've gone too far. You've retracted too far. And because you are big, huge, megalithic, slow-moving, giant corporations, people like me are going to go in there and steal your damn market. Yes. And we should. And we should. Because this is the other thing. You know, I, I often rail against... Um, Big women's clothing, and I say big, what I mean is average. Yeah. Um, the average American woman is now between size 16 and 18, both are which considered a plus size by the industry. Bastards. So if the average woman, not bastards, the industry just isn't paying attention. Right. You know, they can be, let them be bastards. I will take their market. <laughs> take their market. Take it, please. Yeah, and, and the thing is, and so, you know, you... And, and, it's, and it's dumb from a marketing point of view because you are a person of an age that you could spend more than $15 on a shirt. Exactly, yes. You are the one with money and you were the one with disposable income. Why are they not catering to you? And the companies that do cater to me are mm -hmm. like generic cookie cutter, like... L.L. Bean and Land's End is supposed to be my market in this yeah. phase of my life. Ugh. But there's nothing there that says 1940s safari style. I'll, I'll just throw that out as an example. Everything yeah. is geared towards um, the kid with the flat bill a, a ball cap that's on crooked wearing his favorite sports team paraphernalia that is one or two or three sizes too big 
um, with with the work boots that are that are untied and mm-hmm. and a lot and, and everything is all sort of geared towards, um, you know, the gangster in the hood sort of look to it. Yeah. And 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 I don't I mean, I don't like to see someone with their pants halfway down their butt because, right. you know, it, 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 that's not the purpose of pants. If you don't want to wear pants, don't wear pants. I'm fine with that. Right. But but I think there is if there is a market for one, there's a market for the other. It's yeah. not like the majority of people dress like what you describe and you are in the vast minority. Right. And and yeah, my my world is a little rarefied because I only hang out with people who, you know, I I go to to I do vintage dance and I go to vintage things and I I make patterns for vintage clothing and so maybe I'm blind but I don't think I'm blind I see a lot of people out there horrendously badly dressed and I and when I went I just went to get a pair of dress pants for my husband as I said in this in this thread yeah and I you couldn't just get him a pair of chinos just a pair of chinos just you know just tan pants for a guy who's a standard size you yeah. take them off the rack and they will fit him and couldn't find them anywhere in, in any of the box stores that, you know, you can easily go to in a day. And, and how is that serving your market? Because not everyone in your market is a kid who wants to wear, you know, this, this, uh, we'll call it the gangster look. Sure. There's another gangster look that we want to wear. That's exactly what I different. want. Yes. The real original gangsters oh, one of the things didn't you love in z how all the men's trousers were high i did but not too high i was just like oh my goodness they're perfect yeah exa- <laughs> e- exactly but the thing do is- i hate to see this stuff oh my god that I, I just recently costumed a christmas carol and i had to yell at all the boys to pull up their trousers because they were wearing these trousers with uh um braces and they had vests on and, you know, they were playing like the urchins in yeah. the street scenes and everything. And I yelled at them to pull up their trousers because I'm like, I shouldn't see your shirt between your trouser and your vest. Yeah, exa- it's just exactly. It's not something they knew, you know. But um, it's, I loved, loved, loved seeing that the, one of the things that Z got right was the the preponderance of vests. I love Yes. Them. I love good vests. Yes. Because, but my wife and I were shopping for clothes like you know six months ago with with mm-hmm. the kids at Old Navy, and it should be a law if you are going to name your store Old Navy, <laughs> I should see vintage style naval wear. <laughs> Not so. Not so. <laughs> I remember when Banana Republic had a whole lot of safari looking stuff too. They did, and and they used to. And I remember, I I mean, I, I remember getting my first paycheck from a, like a really great job, and I was going to get some safari wear, and I go over, and and they flipped the script. They, they mm-hmm. one minute they they're just another knockoff of any yeah. other men's store. I, I remember when Aereo Postal was vintage-esque retro yeah, wear. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and then they turned it all into like teeny bopper stuff. Yeah, and, and it's distressed tees. Like, I can distress my own tees. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I get distressed tees by wearing them. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I throw them out at that point. And, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, and, and, and the thing is, is that they pay somebody good money to distress tees 
Whereas mm-hmm. if you just wear it long enough, it'll be distressed enough. Trust. I mean, trust me. Yeah. Put it through the wash yeah, a couple of times. It's, it's, I understand it from a business point of view when the market contracts, when people don't seem like they're buying clothing, you know, and, and you have to sell, you look over your shoulder and you go, Oh my comp- what's my competition doing? And, and that's the mistake. They've all looked at each other and said, Oh, well they're doing this and they're not out of business. And they're all looking at each other. They're all doing equally good or bad as the case may be. Yeah. And they're all looking, Oh, well let's do the safe thing. And I am just about sick of it. And I, I, I really don't want to get into garment manufacturing. You know, Reconstructing History is a pattern company. Right, right. And, and but I'm going to have to. Yeah. Because this needs to be fixed. And I'm just too much of an entrepreneur to watch this beautiful potential. And like I said, you know, I'm not Aeropostale. I'm not going to have a shop in every mall yeah. across the country. But who cares? Right. Might have a line in Target, you know? Yes. And uh, Because it's, it, it doesn't take much. It takes less than you would imagine to have a line in a major retailer. Yeah. And, um, you know, it doesn't take billions of dollars. It takes getting in there. And, and the biggest problem is to keep doing what you're doing, you know, because um, – but I, I just think that I would really love – here's the thing. Let yeah. me hit you with some economic stuff. Okay. All right. <laughs> Brace yourself. All right. Brace yourself. Um, we complain about jobs going overseas, complain that we don't have – the jobs in these countries, we're exporting all these things, we're buying foreign goods, blah, 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 blah. All true. Should have worried about it back in the 70s when it was actually happening and we could have stopped it. Now, manufacturing has been overseas for so long, us getting it back is really kind of, yeah. And that's not, there isn't any garment industry here, but there's not a garment industry here like there used to be in the 70s. And, sure. And, you know, my mom was a garment worker. I watched it happen. I watched, I watched the attrition as, as they got fewer and fewer jobs yep. at her factory. But we complain and complain and complain about this. And what needs to happen is that we need to do two things. It's my prescription for making America great again. There you go. All right. <laughs> Which I almost hate to speak the words. Um, we need to create more jobs, and we also need to create better stuff. Yes. We need tailors and seamstresses we also need plumbers and electricians and and this kind of people we have walked away from the trades yes we have yes we have my parents were blue-collar workers they were not educated in any way shape or form they were not their their jobs were not skilled jobs Uh, a person in a garment factory is not a seamstress right she's a garment worker she's someone who my mother was a front maker she knew how to use that machine she didn't know how to use the buttonholer machine she didn't know how to use the 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 uh the marrow machine she knew how to use she she was a front maker she made fronts she would make her fronts bundle them up in a little thing and give them to the next guy yeah um, that's not to say my mom wasn't a seamstress at home, but she was a pro- professionally, it's unskilled labor. You do this, sit mm-hmm. at the machine and do these steps and you do it. Anyone can do it. 
Um, my father was a, a truck driver for a construction company. Same thing. You drive this truck. People put stuff in your truck. You drive it to the next place. People take things out of your truck. It's not skilled labor. They wanted me to go to college because the people in their professions who, or in their workplaces who were earning good money and telling other people what to do were the college graduates. Yeah. Now, the problem here is that the guy who was running the factory was the guy who owned the factory. Right. He wasn't there because he graduated from college and someone handed him something. He, the factory was in his family, quite frankly. And he, um, the guy who ran, who was the engineer in my father's, the construction company my father worked for, was... Um, you know, went to college to become an engineer because you needed an engineer on a construction crew. But um, just job he really wanted me to have and a job I would never have done in a million years. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we have this weird, screwed up idea in this country that college equals job. And college, university education is not and has never been a training school. And we have this push, and I am all for, you know, uh, public colleges to be tax fund, taxpayer funded and, and, and to be low um, tuition and all that. I'm 100% for that. However, not everybody needs to go to college. And that does not mean that people should be discriminated against by income or right, class right. or whatever. However, there are many, many, many good professions that exist that do not require a college education. And this is why we have people with bachelor's degrees working at McDonald's. We don't we need people to go into the trades. We need to we need to not make the trades a dirty word. And if we put a tailor shop and a seamstress shop in every small city in this country, we would not only suddenly have jobs for young people in their 20s. Yeah, yeah. But we would also have a better, you know, you would still be able to go to, to Target or whatever to get your T-shirts and sweatpants and, or stuff for your growing kids, you know, disposable clothing, let's say. Right. But if you wanted to wear something different, you could go to your tailor. And assuming your tailor is also going to do, have ready to wear, you know, not just custom I'm not talking about tailors used used to go to a tailor. It wasn't just rich people who frequented tailor shops. No, no. I mean, it it was anyone with disposable income would go to the tailor and say, "I need a suit because I'm getting married," or "I need a suit because I'm I'm starting a job that requires a suit," and you know, it wasn't a ten thousand dollar suit. It was a good suit. Yeah. Um, I'm absolutely fervently of the opinion that if we brought back the desire for custom clothing or at least the desire for unique clothing, if we stopped looking at 
unique clothing as being the purview of the rich and scaled it back to a 1930s attitude towards things where not everybody had the same cookie cutter things. Yeah. And it was the 1930s. They weren't brimming over with money, but they had enough money to go to the tailor shop and get something. Yeah, because the thing is, is that you wanted to get something that was of quality and was going to last. Mm-hmm. And, and the hardest thing for me to sort of figure out, and it suddenly dawned on me, is that the reason why I go through pants like crazy, especially mm-hmm. the cuffs um, at, 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 the, at, the, uh, at the end of the pant leg, is because they mm-hmm. don't fit me right. I'm I, yep. I'm walking. You're walking on them. Because the thing is, is that mm-hmm. I'm I'm not a thirty. I'm not. My length is somewhere between thirty two and thirty four. It's mm-hmm. not thirty four. Thirty four is too long. Thirty two is too short. Maybe yep. I'm a thirty three length. You <laughs> know, funny. I could wear your pants. I also have a thirty three inch inseam. Yeah. And and the and yep. the, and, and but the thing is, it, it was just like, do I take these pants and do I get them altered by a professional tailor, mm-hmm. or do I just spend another twenty bucks and get a brand new pair and just wear them until I have to throw them? Because the thing is, is is that this material, the material also itself, is mm-hmm. disposable. Because if you've noticed, yeah, it's, it's not worth tailoring. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Um, and as a dad. Um, jeans used to last forever. True, genuine mm-hmm. Levi's used to last forever. Mm-hmm. Now, because of the way that the material is put together, mm-hmm. they fall apart. I mean, you can actually see th- this slow progression of just the material. Just, just uh, it just uh, like obliterates in slow motion. Let me. Let me cry to you about the, the, the terrible facts of being a woman, Eric. Okay. <laughs> there's a company. There's a company out there, um, and I'm not going to name them, but because, quite frankly, there's two of them that are very similarly named, and I don't want to name the wrong one. Right. Um, but it's a company that, make, that it's, all of their things are produced in the United States. They are a clothing company. 100% of their things are produced in the United States by Um, American garment workers and that's terrific and this is why I try to patronize them but I went I wanted some jeans and I don't like fancy jeans I have ridden horses for too many years I like my my Levi 501s and if they still made them in the US I would have bought them but I was like no let's try this this American company and they made men's and women's jeans. And now I've always worn men's jeans. I just wear them on my hips because I'm horseback sure. riding. I, sure. I always wore them on my hips. Quite frankly, we were poor when I was a kid. Sure. And I used to get my cousin's hand-me-downs and my cousins were boys. Uh-huh. So I always, I don't, I have, I don't have girly jeans. Like I never wore girly jeans. I always wore guys jeans. And it's not that I'm not shaped like a girl because I definitely am shaped like a girl, but I just, I always wore guys jeans. Yeah. So I looked at the guys jeans. I'm like, oh no, but they have women's jeans. And the women's jeans, they had like three different categories and they called them something like, you know, Felicia and Kimberly. And like there were three different girls' names for them. And one was a woman who uh, uh, sizes where your waist was much smaller and your hips were bigger. And, you know, so they had these variations. Yeah. So you're like, oh, and my measurements are this. So I'm a Felicia. So I will look at the Felicia jeans. Um, 
I'm going to make up numbers here because I don't know what the numbers actually f- were. Right. But the men's men's jeans were the standard Levi's 501 Blues denim, yep. which is something like 12 or 14 ounce denim, I think. Yep. And the women's were seven. Okay. Seven ounce. And you couldn't you couldn't get them. You couldn't get a woman's size. You'd have to buy men's jeans to get the thicker material. And I'm like, I'm not wearing these to a freaking cocktail party. I want to ride right. a horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I need them to be as thick as. And and the the other thing was the men's jeans and this particular um, thing were uh, advertised as being you know work hard and and these are these were not men's fashionable jeans. These were men's working on the farm jeans. You know, here's a pocket where you could put your your. Uh, hammer or something because you all carry hammers around all the time and the women's jeans were just like oh but we're girls you know i just nothing makes me want to bleed from the eyes more yeah and 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 then there were complaints you know there were reviews and they were like well they fit really well but i feel like they're going to fall off because the fabric is so you know chintzy yes and and that's that's actually a trend in in women's jeans across the board, not just this one company, but if you look, women's jeans are always a much much lighter denim. Yes. And why is that? Why is that? Like women don't want thick. So I just buy men's jeans, you know, and they, and which shouldn't shouldn't ought to be that way. <laughs> no, it really it, it it shouldn't. And that's the thing is is that y- you look at the quality of the cut and the and, and the cut is not it's not obviously tailored it's off the it's off the rack yeah and the cut is two measurements yeah. right and the thing is is that it's like they're going for the law of averages they're going for the size 34 waist and the 30, 32 length um mm-hmm. and it's like you fit somewhere you know you fit somewhere within these little parameters and the cut isn't right it's not there's Mm -hmm. something there's something about the way that they just hang or the thing is is that when you move it's it pulls in the wrong direction there's that and then the actual quality of the fabric where Mm -hmm. even if you just wear them put them in the washing machine even if you turn them inside out Mm -hmm. even if you do that the material starts to fall apart after the first couple of washings and it, mm-hmm. it's not that I'm buying cheap crap. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I'll, no. I'll buy the expensive stuff for, from L.L. Bean and I'll buy stuff from from Land's End. I don't mind saying their name because they're not made in mm-hmm. America anymore. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you look at and, and you look at the shirts that I that I, that I bought, like the, the Poplin shirts that I have, um, all the edges, whether it's the the cuffs or or the shirt where the where where you button up and da- down the middle everything is starting to fray mm-hmm. and the thing and so what what do i do after the first couple of, of, of wearings and well and the, here's the thing what am i doing wrong with the washing machine do i blame the washing machine for no. washing the clothes or do i blame the quality oh. of the fabric let me tell you something about washing clothes um there's a thing i don't know if you're aware of it you might have done the wrong thing if you ever do the laundry in your house and been made aware of it rather strongly um you can't wash women's bras yes it'll destroy yes yes 
this is such a complete load of bullshit. Yeah. I cannot tell you. Why can't you wash women's bras? Oh, because the fabric will shrink and then it won't. No. A quality garment is the fabric is shrunk before the garment is cut. Mm-hmm. I promise you this is the case. Okay. Where you have companies that are producing things that they're saying, oh, and it can't, it can't be washed, it has to be hand washed. Um, if it's not the fabric, now obviously you have hand-knit wool socks that are made out of Angora. And if you throw that in the washing machine, the, it will make the, the wool felt and therefore shrink. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't throw that in a washing machine. But if you have a bra that is made out of polyester, <laughs> yeah. that fabric in a quality garment factory would be pre-shrunk before it's cut. And it's only... Because that garment factory has decided that they could save this many millions of dollars by cutting that one step out of their process and putting a tag in that says hand wash only. That's yeah, that is bullshit. I know what you're saying it's is the truth, but it total is total bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna take over the bra industry too. You just watch. I out. think I'm you coming. should. I'm coming. Cause... I'm coming. I'm fixing it all. <laughs> but but I mean and and you and we were talking about this. Whereas mm-hmm. everything is and there's even a trend in and I was listening to NPR. We were talking about ungendered clothing. Mm-hmm. How is that? How is that possible? Because mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I've I've seen enough women in my life to know that women's shapes are different than men's. It has yeah. nothing and, to do with and it's. It is it's a shame. I mean, there was a company, um, I think, unfortunately, they didn't, they didn't get off the blocks. I think they had a Kickstarter campaign out. And it was it was basically men's style clothing for women. And it was touted as wonderful by a lot of women who dress androgynously. Yeah. Um, because the reality is, if you want to dress like a man, and I'm saying that in quotes because I hate the idea that... There, that it means anything right but you know you know what i mean by it if you want to dress like a man and you are female if unless you are on male hormones you still have hips and a waist and are reasonably shaped female um things fit you differently we have we have different body lengths than men yeah yeah and and no amount of i mean even even a, a person who's transgendered their body length is going to be as long, you know, if they, if they became transgendered after puberty, their body length is the same body length as it was when they were, uh, you know, first became adult. Um, Men have longer torsos than women do period dot. A man's clothing is never going to fit a woman properly. So this company and, and their website was wonderful because it wasn't like women dressed up. And I'm, I, I love wearing men's clothing in a feminine way. Yeah. But that's not what this website was about. This website was about selling men's clothing to women and making it kind of making them look mannish, but it fit them. Right. And and that's it was wonderful. Yeah, I uh, And so in that way, you cannot have men's trousers 
that fit women. You can have trousers. You see, I, I'm, I don't, how do I say this? I'm not against men dressing like women and women dressing like men sure, at all. Sure. It, it, in any, any way, shape, or form. But I am against men wearing women's clothes and women wearing men's clothes. Did that make any sense? No, it makes perfect sense at all. I mean, for me, yeah. as a man. Because it doesn't fit. Yeah. Right. Because the thing is, it is um, the worst thing you could say to me, and, and we established this in an, in an earlier podcast when I'm shopping for clothes. Well, everybody is wearing this. Well, no, not yeah, everybody right. is wearing Not everybody is wearing it. <laughs> Um, exactly. And, and bad salesman. But, you know, and, and the entire notion is that trying to make something that's a lie, turn it into the truth. Men and women are built differently. And, yes. me, and men want women to look like women. We do not mm -hmm. as a man. And I say this to about myself. I do not I do not want to be with a woman who looks like a 14 year old boy. I, the models, <laughs> the models walking down the runway, they should not look like um, emaciated 14 year old boys. They should look like well, women. They should look like. Well, let me tell you something about the um, the models walking down the runway. There's something people don't understand about runway models. Runway models aren't supposed to look like women. They're supposed to be hangers. Okay. They are, yeah, yeah. And But this is something people don't understand. They're supposed to not distract from the design. You're supposed to not go, oh, she's so beautiful, but that would never look good on me. No, you're not supposed to look at her right. at all. Right. You're supposed to look at the clothing. Now, the fashion industry has gone to the extent that, you know, the, the stuff walking down, um, the stuff on models walking down the runway is so much more art than it is actual clothing. Right. That, that it has become meaningless. But the reason that models were all, because runway models are thinner than catalog models than the models that you have in in your store than lingerie models are the most chubby yeah if we were, want to use the word chubby sure because of what you're trying to show off because the lingerie models aren't showing off anything except they're making you want something as a man yes and you will go here's my credit card i don't care what you give me <laughs> Exactly. Just yeah. Take my money. Um, whereas a woman looking at a, a, a dress needs to look at the dress, not look at the woman who's wearing the dress. So absolutely, positively, we have gone out the other side of emaciated women right. who look like, don't even look like boys. They look like skeletons. Yeah. But the 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 reason why it went that direction was because you weren't supposed to be voluptuous you weren't supposed to be beautiful you weren't supposed to detract the 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 point was show the dress and they were really supposed to be just hangers yeah and and so so that's why that's why that exists it's okay not, okay it's not why it it's not why it persists today but it's it's why it existed that way in the first place yeah. just little fashion history i, I but but i do, i do think that the, the 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 models that you see in magazines and the models that women compare themselves to 
they're they're not realistic standards. They're not realistic. Because no, well, we're idiots. Yeah, we're it, idiots. We 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 look at a picture and we say we're supposed to look like that. And I'll tell you one thing. I've done some modeling, and I didn't look a bit like the pictures that came out at the end. No, of course not, because I mean, you know, you you have makeup artists who who are very good at what they do. They have the photographers mm-hmm. who uh, f- capture the image and light the scene in a certain way, and then when it gets into Photoshop, all bets are off, and then it'll get oh, yeah. published. Well, yeah, and and I mean, even even the raw photos, you would not believe the raw photos and the contortions you have to put yourself into to look like you're standing normally. Like the things that you have to do, what you have to suck in and turn and put toward the camera and this to get the right camera angle. Yeah, it's it's a it's an art. It's sculpture. It is. You are you are clay and someone is sculpting you into this piece of art right and the piece of art is the photograph and you are just a lump of clay and it's so not a value judgment yeah that you don't look like that every day because no one does nobody no 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 and and that's god i wish i could brainwash us all because because it i wish everyone could have the experience of being on a photo shoot like that and going holy crap that's just not that doesn't look like me at all no it doesn't look like you at all because it doesn't look like a real person because that's not a real person that's an art object in this layout yeah that's trying to sell a product or trying to sell an idea or what have you yeah and 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 you know i mean there are there are things that we can do there are things that look better on different body shapes, there are diff- there are things that that look better um, on different size people, and because we buy everything from cookie cutter stores, we don't honor any of that. So you know, um, square cut jeans and a t shirt looks very blah. Yeah. Yeah. On- everyone you know, even the people who look good in jeans and a t-shirt it's because their jeans and t-shirts are shaped yeah you know like the really really hot guy that you're like oh my god i want to be that t-shirt yep he didn't just pull that out of a package and put it on i guarantee you there are seams up the side of it that somebody did you know <laughs> that's or somebody threw water on them or something yeah. you know <laughs> your clothes should fit you and oh god i was doing um I did some work for uh, theater production and the dress that this woman was wearing kept tearing. The arms sleeves kept tearing because she has very vigorous things to do in the second act and, and she tear the sleeve and it would tear on the seam. So it was easy. I just took it back and put a new seam in and gave it back to her again and she ripped it again and she's like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so fat. Like, sweetie, you are not fat. The dress is wrong. Right. The dress was not made for you. I pulled it off a rack. You tried it on. You said, this is good. Yeah. And we went out there and did it. If I made a dress for you, it would never rip in the arm because it would fit you. Your, you, your clothes are never right. You are right. Yeah. And clothes, yeah. it's malleable. They can be fixed and they should be fixed. And that's like my 
battle cry. Yeah. <laughs> Make your clothes fit you. Don't fit into your clothes. Make your clothes fit you. And I don't I don't say that. I mean, I say that as someone who her entire life has been a standard size. I mean, I yeah. used to be a size six fit model. I used to be the person that they went, oh, yeah, you're the one the dress was made for. Yeah. And and it it doesn't make you a better person. It really doesn't. It doesn't even make you a more attractive person. Maybe, yeah. You know? It doesn't. Um, but it's just your clothes should fit you. Yeah. And the fact that we – it would be – you would probably be hard-pressed, although – you live in the Northeast, and we're we're lucky in the Northeast. Right, luckier than places other places. Um, we still have little Italian tailors. <laughs> yes, <laughs> down the street. Um, I don't know if you have one in your your town, but we have a bunch of them here, and or or Vietnamese, Vietnamese and Koreans. Yeah, also tailors. Not that there's any nationality that don't make good tailors, but it's always the little Italian guy down the yeah. street. Um, but I really think that that. Anyone who is interested in um, the principles of textile engineering yeah. or fashion uh, or just um, helping people, really, yeah. should consider a profession as a, a seamstress or tailor because we need this. And it's something that we don't know we need. And I see, as someone who who grew up, you know, spending my afternoons after school in the garment factory until my mom's shift was over, um, it's, I don't understand, like there's part of me that doesn't understand why everyone doesn't know this because I knew this when I was nine, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, that you take your pants to the tailors and you get the cuffs done. You know, you you, you have the hem fixed. You don't just walk around like that. And um, and we don't do it. And I think that there's there's something about our, our cultural self-esteem. We don't care enough about how we look. We don't. And, yeah, we 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 literally think that we don't deserve to have. Yes, we don't deserve. We think we don't deserve to have better clothes mm -hmm. because if we have oh, better if I, clothes, if I won the lottery, I would do this. No, you know how much is it to get a hem done? Ten bucks, twenty bucks? It's yeah. really not. It's not much. Of course, if you're only paying twenty bucks for the pants, but don't pay twenty bucks for the pants. Yeah, you know. Pay a hundred bucks for the pants and get them hemmed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm pre, I'm. <laughs> well, you're preaching. Stand back. You're, pre you're, you're, you're preaching. You're, you're preaching to the choir. And the but thing is, is that. why you have me on the show. <laughs> ex that's exactly what we, I think, I think that we, what we really ought to do is because I'm actually looking at the time here and my kids are going to show up and the dogs are going to start bar barking. I think that one of the things that we really ought to do is um, for the next show that we do, we should actually talk about how do you actually buy the, the the clothes that you're talking about. I think that that is a real sort of because I don't I don't think people know. I I, I I know I don't know how do you actually buy the clothes that that we're talking about. Yeah, and it's hard because I mean, at this point, I don't even know where to direct people. Yeah. Because I I don't, you know, I make a lot of things myself, or yeah. I 
order them or something. But yeah, I will. All right. Invest it. I also think about what company I'm going to open, what, what business I'm going to start next. Exactly. <laughs> Come to Reconstructing History. Ex- Buy all your trousers from me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a perfect place to leave it. So. I think it is. All right. Great. I'm going to talk to you again real soon. Awesome. Thanks, Eric. All right. Talk to you in a little bit. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by the Trinity Whip Company. Battling daily whip fever? Sadly, there is no cure, only treatment. More whips. Traditionally made kangaroo whips, top quality craftsmanship in form as well as function. Handcrafted by Blake Burning. TrinityWhipCo.com Or look for the link on our main page, TheFedoraChronicles.com This has been the Retro Thread Podcast with Cass McGann and Eric Ranger King Fisk. You can find out more about us by going to our show page, RetroThread.com and TheFedoraChronicles.com slash RetroThread. There you will also find a link to Cass's business, Reconstructing History, with countless patterns for you to choose from so you can bring your own retro vibe to your wardrobe. Our theme song is from Lina Sachs. The song is her cover of the song Under Pressure by Queen and David Bowie. Check out all of her music at lenasax.com. The Retro Thread podcast and other shows on the Fedora Chronicles have been brought to you by our listeners. Check out our homepage to find out how you can join in and participate. There you will also find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts and other social media outlets. So until next time, for Cass McGann and myself, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off. Keep your chins up and your fedoras on.